Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pete gave Bernie a bit of a backhanded compliment. I admired Senator Sanders when I was a high school student. (laughs) Subtly done. (laughs) But it is true. Pete did actually admire Bernie in high school. He even wrote an essay about him that won what's called the Profile and Courage Essay Contest. Profiles and Courage, of course, was written by JFK who also wrote a high school essay about looking up to Bernie Sanders. Pete is a full 40 years younger than Bernie, which is, that is correct, just sir. amazing. Math checks out. Yeah. Um, uh, Pete's going to have a struggle, though, because yesterday the entire establishment, and if you include the, the powerful in the Democratic Party, um, newspapers, and all of the media that roots for the Democratic Party, all turned from Biden to Bloomberg on one day. And there's a bunch of examples of that. It's, uh, we'll see if it works. Senator from Minnesota is going to be Kloba chagrined to hear that. You got a lot of those. Oh, yeah. As many as you need. <laughs> I'll read this from the Washington Post. In an unmistakable sign of Mr. Bloomberg's growing strength and Mr. Biden's decline, three black members of Congress endorsed the former mayor of New York yesterday. Wow. And they were on the cable news shows all day long. So the day that the tapes hit... Of Bloomberg saying, oh, you got to put them up against the wall and you got to have all the cops in the black neighborhoods because that's where the crime is and all that stuff that was supposed to be so damaging. That day, the bl- several black members of Congress went on the cable news shows and said, we endorse 
Mayor Bloomberg. They tried to stop that in its tracks. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Hanson, can you try to come up with when Bloomberg was responding to those tapes? He, he did a news conference, I think it was yesterday. Bloomberg responds to the allegations. I bet you find it. It was, it was one of the most pathetic uh, uh, explainings away I've ever heard in my life. Representative Cedric Richmond of Louisiana, a co-chairman of Mr. Biden's national campaign and a former chairman Ooh. of the Congressional Black Caucus, warned on a conference call with reporters that Democrats would risk down-ballot carnage if they select Mr. Sanders. So this is a blasted Bernie. If Bernie Sanders was at the top of the ticket, we'd be in jeopardy of losing the House. We would not get the Senate back. So they're trying to put a hole in uh, Bernie there. Yeah. Um. And then on a conference call with campaign staff members on Wednesday afternoon, Howard Wolfson, Mr. Bloomberg's senior advisor, said that the internal tracking data showed that the former mayor, Bloomberg, had pulled very narrowly into first place across the March primary states, inching ahead of Mr. Sanders overall and tying Mr. Biden among African-American voters. Wow. Then they didn't release their numbers, so they could be fudging them, but they say their internal, internal numbers has Bloomberg in first place on Super Tuesday and tied with black voters with Biden. Yeah, well, I tell you what, that's a, that's a lot like when you're taking the escalator up and you see a buddy who's taking the escalator down, there's a moment when you're tied. But right. <laughs> please, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good one. Yeah. And then in the, New York, name only. And then in the New York Times, Tom Friedman, uh, influential opinion columnist, wrote, Paging Michael Bloomberg, Democrats need to nominate the right person to prevent Trump from winning a second term. We have to get this right. This is no ordinary time, no ordinary Republican Party, no ordinary incumbent. And ah, it will require, wait a minute. Is this the most important election of our lives? And it will require an extraordinary Democratic machine to triumph. So who is the right Democratic candidate? Well, for starters, I'll tell you who it is not. It is not Bernie Sanders. On which planet in the Milky Way galaxy is an avowed socialist who wants to take away the private health care coverage of some 150 million Americans and replace it with a gigantic, untested Medicare for All program, which he'd also extend to illegal immigrants, going to win the presidency? So he simultaneously tasked to take down the frontrunner Bernie right. and build up Michael Bloomberg. Children and journalists love Bernie, but I was reading something from 2016. Some Democrats were talking about him and said, look... The guy's been around for 30 years. He has never passed a bill. He has never accomplished anything. He is a crackpot. Everybody's looked at him as a crackpot. Nobody works with him. It was kind of a, a variation of Hillary thing. And there, there hasn't been much of that. But, man, if he became the uh, the candidate, you'd get that coming from all directions. Actually, you know, now that it, it, it occurs to me that I think the, the greatest onslaught of that will be right around... Now, when it looks like he might be the candidate, because the Democratic establishment is not going to let that happen. So here comes the real Bernie bashing. Oh, yeah. Look, I don't tolerate bullshit terribly well. I'm not good at pleasantries. If you have your birthday, I'm not going to call you up to congratulate you so you love me and you write nice things about me. Well, that's fine, because you missed That's not what I do. It was Tuesday. Never have. Yeah, I know. So this. Chuck Todd, host of Meet the Press, said on the Today Show today. Sleepy eyes, Chuck Todd. Sleeping son of a bitch. I know it. Whatever that means. I don't know. Uh, Chuck Todd said on uh, the Today Show, I don't understand how Bernie is considered a front runner after the New Hampshire primary. The media has turned <laughs> on Bernie. Yeah, I noticed it this how morning. Do you, how do you consider him a front runner? He won the most votes in Iowa and New Hampshire and leads nationally in the polls. That's how you would consider him a front runner. You know, it's funny. Uh, we talked about this briefly earlier, but I, I was busy with personal slash medical stuff yesterday and uh, had missed what Jack's been talking about, the various... 
um, black Congress people coming out and, and throwing their support to, to Bloomberg and the rest of it. I was driving in uh, to work this morning, and it was clear to me listening to CNN and MSNBC that they were very enthusiastic about Bloomberg and were explaining away his various sins and stumbles and that sort of thing. And it struck me, I was like, well, why are they all of a sudden so enthusiastic about Bloomberg? That's interesting. And then now it's all coming together. Either the memo went out or... Or the money guys, I don't know, called the key three people and said, look. But it's it's obvious, you know, the, the tide has absolutely turned. Yeah, well, remember Cheryl Atkinson, formerly of CBS News, telling us how they get lobbied on news stories now? Yeah, hard. Somebody went hard at NBC and Chuck Todd and said, hey, 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 what is this calling Bernie the frontrunner crap? And laid out some argument, and uh, right. and, and Chuck Todd bought into it. Right. Or got scared. Sleepy eyes, Chuck Todd, who... So uh, we got a little Bloomberg tape. Is this? Well, we'll see if it's what I was looking for. Go ahead. Those marks don't reflect the way that I've governed or the way that I run my company or the way that I live. And uh, I apologize for the uh, practice and the pain that it caused. It took him a while. He initially was asked about his stop and frisk, you know, the tape from 2015, whatever it is, and the... Yeah, well, yeah, there's more uh, the, the typical criminal and victim. I mean, it's it's a young black man between 16 and 27 blah, 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 that he's supposed to be in trouble for because he accidentally told the truth. Um, his initial reaction was, well, uh, um, I uh, that's not who I am. Well, it was you who said it. Well, that's not... The Michael Bloomberg that people know. But wait a minute. So are you just a... Then he launched into the somewhat coherent, you know... Well, I think he's going to be inoculated against the whole racist charge by these black congressmen coming forward. And and the masses of the nation's media as well. They yeah. just won't dig into it. Also, in terms of it being an issue between it, him... You know what it'll be? It'll be the, the guy in Florida ramming a, a van into the Trump registration tent. It will go away because the media is not interested. Right. And uh, also, it can't be an issue with Trump if they were actually head-to-head because Trump tweeted in favor of stop and frisk, has since deleted the tweet, but it was from many, many years ago. Mm. And on uh, when he was debating Hillary Clinton in one of the debates, I don't know if we have that clip or not, it doesn't matter, Trump was saying, yeah, we should do that for the whole country. So he's been in favor of it, so he can't really hammer Bloomberg on it. Right. So I think the issue will just go away. So, well, if if Bloomberg has been anointed the great white hope for Black America, and apparently he has, and the polls would reflect it to the extent that Black folks have made up their minds, it's working. Well, okay, on we go. So we're gonna, so we could end up with two New York billionaires who not hate o- each other. Not only two old, and have for decades. Not only two old white guys for people who are bothered by that. I'm not particularly, but not you know of, of all the possibilities that exist, you got two old white guys. They're from the same town, and they're both billionaires. Well, they're from the same damn neighborhood. Yeah. You know? They're both Upper West Side guys, probably, right? And they, they're they both billionaires. Yeah. Well, what does that say about the world? What does that say about democracy in general? It's not a good look. Yeah. Well, uh, Bloomberg's already taken shots at uh, Trump for having inherited his money and, and been bad at managing okay, it. Okay, so a couple of billionaires carping at each other, who's got the most or who made it the most honestly or whatever? I, well, I don't think, know. I think working America that's struggling to pay its medical bills and pharmaceuticals and then rent and the rest of it, that, that'll be something to really dig into. Absolutely. That's freaking politics. Uh, backlash against the poodle at the Westminster Dog Show. Elizabeth Holmes is in the news. Oh, yeah! Among, I am. Among other things coming up. Armstrong and Getty. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. People are angry, Joe. You have noticed. Now, here's a better, here's an even better <laughs> sentence. People are angry on the internet, Joe. This isn't the stupid, stupid Jim Carrey thing, is it? No, no, that is stupid. Different stupid, uh, stupid thing. This is about the Westminster Dog Show. Oh, the by fact- the way, coming up, a couple of uh, booze-related stories for those who enjoy an intoxicating brew or, judging harshly, those who enjoy an intoxicating Fantastic. brew. Fantastic. Something for everyone. Stay with us. Uh, a lot of people are angry that Daniel, the Golden Retriever, lost out to Seba, the poodle, whatever her name was. Yeah. After You're being a crazy sex poodle. Boo. Uh, after beating up 32 setters and spaniels in the sporting class, Daniel became one of the first ever Golden Retrievers to make it to the final round. And Golden Retriever is one of the most popular family dogs in the history of America. It's a fabulous dog. And some people were very excited about it, and people were chanting in the crowd, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. And Daniel actually hugged its owner, its handler, after winning the group round. Oh, that's nice. And everybody cheered and cried and that sort of stuff. (laughs) People are soft-headed. Anyway. (laughs) People from Daniel's hometown tweeted, if Daniel doesn't win, we riot. (laughs) I'm going to burn this place to the ground like that Bernie staffer that uh, Project Veritas was sending the video around. I've sent out various tweets about if my local corner store is out of Hot Pockets. (laughs) That's just a a saying on Twitter is blank or we will riot. Exactly. Uh, Across the Internet, people demanded justice for Daniel, who lost to a flippin' poodle. A poodle winning over a golden retriever like Daniel is everything that's wrong with our country, said one Twitter follower. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, there are thousands and thousands of tweets in that vein because that's what we do in modern America. Does somebody read those, or do we just all get the satisfaction of having tweeted them? You know, um, I I probably ought to describe the Jim Carrey thing. It's just, it's monumentally stupid. Some journalists interviewing him for his latest motion film... A motion picture, and she says, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. She says, in the movie, Sonic the Hedgehog has a bucket list. I was wondering, after all you've done in your life and career, is there anything still left on your bucket list? Just you, he responds. That's it. It's all done now. Well, apparently the Internet is pretending to be angry. Unfortunately, it turns out Jim Carrey is a massive sleazebag. Such a huge fan of Jim Carrey, but lost respect for him today. As if he was saying, like, you know, having sex with her or raping her, just, just stop it. Just stop it. Speaking of dogs... Don't you people have something legitimate to be unhappy about? Mm-hmm. Have you achieved, like, the Dalai Lama's seventh uh, layer of enlightenment, and you're out of things to be unhappy about? you got to look that hard. It's crazy. Speaking of dogs in wolf owner news, Elizabeth Holmes, according to the oh. Wall Street Journal... Elizabeth, joining us live in studio, you should have uh, entered your dog in the... Hi, Elizabeth. Now she's Hi, hello. You should have uh, entered your dog in the Westminster Dog Show. (laughs) They they don't allow wolves in the dog show. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry? They're too ferocious. Wolves, they're too ferocious. It's not a wolf. It's a dog. It's just like a husky. No, look, it's a wolf. It's not a wolf. Did you hear that? Why don't you finger stick its paw and run a DNA test, you wackadoo? Give me your finger. Give it back! (laughs) Ow! Damn it! See, the reason this is funny... Did you clean that thing? The reason this is funny is cute little pixie Stanford dropout Elizabeth Holmes, who perpetrated one of the greatest frauds in the history of fraud. Really, yes. you're, really, you're clearly not Silicon Valley material. Really, at the top, <laughs> well, one 
right, but... <laughs> One, the little blonde pixie does sound exactly like that. Yes. Like she, what? And she claimed she had a wolf when it, everybody else said it's just a well, she still update. has her wolf. She watched her on the Marina District of San Francisco with her dog that she calls a wolf. The strength of the wolf is in the pack, <laughs> and the strength only, of the pack is in the wolf. But you only have one of them. So you far. Oh, and that Just one wait until my new startup, yeah. Wolf Clone. I check with your apartment superintendent, <laughs> Wolf Clone. And uh, oh, and one of those lines is one of my favorite things that she'd do is when people in in the Theranos organization would come to her and say. I don't think this is working. These numbers don't make any sense. She would say, I'm just not sure you're Silicon Valley material. Oh, boy. And that's when they'd get rid of them. Oh, Would you like to pet my wolf? <laughs> no, or, I would not. Or they would backtrack and say, I just, I was just curious, but n- I'm sorry. No, no big deal. And then they'd go back to work. That's uh, better. Suitably chastised. But according to the Wall Street Journal, they are going to toss out 11 counts and maybe more against her in the trial that's about to start. How many counts are there? Uh, there I don't know if that's half. There are apparently a lot. Yeah. Um, The ruling saying the patients didn't lose money or property because the insurance companies paid. So that's kind of a technicality. Okay. You can't sue of having been ripped off because you didn't get ripped off. Your insurance company got ripped off. But there's still Mm. like a billion dollars worth of people getting ripped off. Uh, that that's going to be dealt with. I don't know. It sounds slippery. I've read a number of articles in the Wall Street Journal that it's a complicated case. Um, she should spend a long time in prison because she's a nut. Why is that? <laughs> well, being a nut. Wow, you're imprisoning the mentally ill these days. This is crazy. I know. This, this criminalization of genius is really unsettling. You know, mm-hmm. I'm beginning to think you're not Armstrong and Getty material, Elizabeth. <laughs> you need to pipe down. Maybe the door should close. <laughs> And take your wolf with you. (laughs) Anyway, that'll be a fun trial to follow, though, I think. When they actually get into the trial and start getting into the details, it could it could be pretty good. Yes, I imagine there will be a lot of dry, you know, technical and financial data, but there will also be uh, uh, luminaries. I mean, giant personalities like George Shultz, former Secretary of State, and the other people who got duped into being on this quacks board. And, I, and, and, and selling it to fellow, uh, you know, billionaires and millionaires. And I assume you'll have underlings who will testify uh, saying, yeah, the people would come in, we'd prick their finger, then they would all go to lunch, and then I would run across the street to the Walgreens yes. with the blood, and they would test it. In the regular come... way. <laughs> and then we'd run back and say, with only this single drop of blood, we tested it for 200 different problems. What was in the magic box that was supposed to be doing this miraculous thing? And nothing. There was nothing in the box. The address of the local Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was an iPhone. Turn left at 4th Street. <laughs> that was it. God dang, you wouldn't think it'd be that easy to pull off a fraud. Well, it helps if you're a cute blonde. Yes, and and well-versed in uh, scientific mumbo-jumbo and the rest of it. And every great fraud, every great lie, every great con has an element of truth to it. It has to. That's how you get people. People send us the emails they've been deluded into thinking are true every single day, sorting through that stuff every day. Um, How robust is this job market? Got a good story about that. We could get to it at some point. Yep. Plus, what are people drinking and not drinking? It has changed drastically in the last 20 years. It's amazing. You wouldn't think that sort of thing would evolve as quickly as it has, but it has. And so your big uh, booze makers. Oh, you're talking in terms of booze? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I drink, yeah drinking is in the alcoholic beverages. Your big booze makers, be they uh, your brewing giants or your distilling giants, are having to adjust really quickly. And uh, it's it's just interesting to see. When I was college, where I was, everybody drank one of two things. Mm. You're drinking Coors Light or Bud Light. That was pretty much it for the entire bar. 
Mm. It certainly changed since then. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Biden's lackluster performances have been a huge surprise, and now even Biden's own people are having a little trouble hiding their anxiety. One unnamed advisor told reporters, I know we're supposed to say we're going to win, but I just don't know. This is horrendous. We're all scared. It's not great when your campaign sounds like a Civil War letter home. (laughs) My dearest Jill, we fled New Hampshire after a miserable defeat and have retreated to make our last stand in South Carolina. I thought we could win, but I guess I'm just a lying dog-faced pony soldier. That's pretty good. Yours, Joseph. Wow. Wow. Unfiltered mockery. Yeah, yeah. The the tide is turned for one Joe Biden. Poor old guy. Um, Chris Matthews on MSNBC said something good yesterday. He said, Biden avoided the Sunday morning shows, didn't go on for a year. He went on this last weekend because he's dropping in the polls. He said uh, 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 Mayor Pete, for instance, would go on any show that would have him. If you don't think your candidate can go on a show or answer reporters' questions, you got to get out of the business. Yes. And that's true. Yes. Trump, went, he said, if you're turned down free media, you got to get out of the business. Trump won on every dang show that existed when he was coming up. Mm-hmm. Everything. Talking to everybody. Yeah. Because if you don't think your message is go- is like a winning, if you think you have to hide to win, how can- has anybody ever won that way? Ever? Not that I can remember. Not in the modern era. If you think your message is is going to hurt you, your presence is going to hurt you, mm-hmm. how could you possibly end up winning? Yeah, I know it. It was such a doomed strategy. The I number, apologize for that. The number of people who bought into it just astonishes me, but that's how crazy humankind is. But he, he never had a chance. You got the the crowd. You've got the like Obama and Clinton and Bush. All three had in common that they felt like they could convince anybody of anything. Yeah, and so they would go. They wanted to get in front of you. No, I can convince you I'm right because mm-hmm. I just I believe in myself that much. Biden's the opposite. Yeah, I'm gonna lay back. Less I say, the better. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> really interesting. Which was a little Hillary-esque, yeah. you oh, might yeah. recall. Yep. yep, yep, yep. They tried to keep her, you know, quiet as much as possible. Anyway, I got a coronavirus. Same result. I got a coronavirus update, but uh, Sean and I were uh, disagreeing over the exact wording of Donald Trump's tweet about Mike Bloomberg today. Uh, he said, "Let's settle this now." Mini Mike is a five-foot-four-inch mass of dead energy. <laughs> dead energy. That's what it was. <laughs> mass of dead energy. And in an earlier tweet, he said, "Mini Mike Bloomberg is a loser in all caps who has money but can't debate and has zero presence." You will see. He reminds me of a tiny version of Jeb Low Energy Bush. <laughs> is this the president of the United States tweeting today? <laughs> That's awesome. He reminds me of a tiny version of Jeb Bush. <laughs> oh, my God. Mini Jeb. <laughs> yes, that's what he's got to start calling him, Mini Jeb. Jeb's hanging out in Palm Beach thinking, why the shot at me? <laughs> what did I do? You're right. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, God, that's funny. That's going to be a good one. Um, China has actually gotten rid of one of their Communist Party uh, higher-ups in that province where they got all the coronavirus, which is a sign that they realize they don't have a good look going. Because mm. they don't really like to fire Communist Party people because it makes it seem like 
they're capable of uh, making mistakes, and that's kind of not the communist thing. No, 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 we know everything. We got it all figured out. Sure. See Chernobyl. <clears throat> China ousted two top Communist Party officials in the Hubei province, the center of the new coronavirus outbreak, hours after health officials there confirmed 15,000 new infections on Wednesday alone. A tenfold increase from the day earlier, which is impossible. So it, obviously it was a not counting right or hiding the numbers or something. Like you said they, earlier. They have a rationale for they changed the way they count them. It didn't really ring true to me. but Like you said earlier, what they're trying to do is to gradually get closer to the truth because people are figuring out they're lying. Right, yeah, yeah. The uh, the dirty Chinese commies have people read the newspapers of the world and watch the channels of the world. And, well, America's lousy with Chinese spies. So, yeah, they see the news coverage, and they're telling Beijing, nobody's buying your numbers. So maybe we ought to come up with some rationale to get them. I don't know. Let's start with halfway between what you're claiming and reality. Then we'll go maybe another quarter of the way next week. I was listening to a podcast yesterday with a China expert from uh, AEI, and he... Millennials ruining China. Nobody wants China anymore. I remember that was one of my wife's big concerns when we got married. Uh, on our registry, is that what you call it when you get married? Yeah. Um, she wanted a set of China, fine China. China! No, nobody gives a damn about China. Yeah. The dish. The country? Everybody cares about China. It's too bad. It's pretty. It's, there are occasions that are worth making the gestures that say this is an important day. We're all together, for instance, family reunion. You'd bring out the, the fine yeah. China. It was China. a message that this is an auspicious occasion. I think that's useful. My mom's got this fantastic set of China. It's got to be 100 years old now. Oh, wow. Yeah. With, uh, like, actual gold trim around it and stuff like that. It's really, really cool. And uh, But having it and not having it break over multiple moves and then the piece of equipment that holds it, the China Hutch, yeah. are two just monumental PIAs to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. For something that you get out a couple of times a year. Yeah, I know it. I know it. World keeps spinning, Jack. Anyway, back to the nation of China. Yes. I was listening to a podcast with a Chinese, uh, China expert yesterday, and he, his area of expertise is economics, not diseases. But he said, because they lie all the time, he said, we start with doubling or having whatever numbers <laughs> they throw at us. That's where you start. Okay, so if it's bad, you probably need to double what they say. If it's good, you probably need to cut it in half. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're exaggerating by at least twofold whatever it is. So it is probably true for the diseases or whatever. And he said, uh, and so you have to look at other numbers and try to come up with a number. He said on economics, oftentimes they'll say, this section um, uh, went down by uh, 2%, This then then they'll have some other numbers somewhere else that this section went down by 2% also. You could get those numbers. But their overall went up by 5%. Well, the math doesn't work on that. So <laughs> yeah. obviously they're lying to you, so you try to figure out from other numbers. And that's what you're going to have to do with this medical crisis. Who knows what the actual truth is? And that is the country hell-bent on becoming the dominant power in the world. That's right, yeah. yeah. That lies to the world about dangerous diseases. Donald Trump, don't trust China! No, he shouldn't. Nobody should. Oh, he didn't get to the booze talk I wanted to do. I blame you. Do I use up all the time? Oh, I Most of it. it. Uh, yeah, I will tell you this. There are two stories. Uh, number one is, and uh, this is this is such a great idea for the retailers and such a not great idea for the shoppers probably, but uh, bars in retail establishments, upscale re- retail establishments, is uh, the coming thing. You've got like God, I would have loved higher that end 
places. Back when I drank, I go to Nordstrom's <clears> and I can go over to get go. a get a drink. First of all, they're going to sell more shoes or whatever. That pair of shoes, I was thinking, nah, I'm not going to spend that kind of money on that shoes. I am or you're have, on the fence. I don't know. I am after I have a couple of uh, uh, drinks, and I'm sure they got somebody working there who flirts with you. Makes you feel good about yourself. Nord- I want to kiss you. Nordstrom, Crate and Barrel, Whole Foods, and Giant are increasingly offering customers chances to imbibe while they browse. How about Kmart? Help you deal with the shame <laughs> shopping at Kmart? <laughs> they have attorneys. Shh. <laughs> uh, let's see. Shoe Bar at the Nordstrom uh, specializes in $17 cocktails with names like Billionaire and Husband Daycare. All right. I, I'm not Bernie Sanders, but that's a little much for me. It sells wine by the you're glass, a, half a, a dozen craft beers, plates of chick, chicken wings, and meatballs. You're at an expensive <clears> store <throat> buying shoes people shouldn't pay that much money for and drink and drink called Billionaire. Yeah, that's a little much. Well, and and but it's in all sorts of different retailers. Uh, they're offering uh, you know wine and, and and snacks and the rest of it. Um, that's a good idea though. How has this not happened before? That's obviously a good idea. Jack, retailers say customers tend to stay longer and spend more freely when they're drinking. Shocking! I'll no, be damned. It's so obvious. Why hasn't it happened before? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, it would have worked on me. You know, Chief Executive Eric Nordstrom was remarkably forthcoming at the National Retail Federation's annual conference last month. He said, and I quote, I don't know why it took us so long to put drinking and shoes together, but it's a great combination. <laughs> oh, my God. Customers at the bar drinking, it helps sell things. I tell you what, Eric, and, and I say this seriously, uh, my wife and I, well, you know, it's funny. I like to say she, it was her idea just because it's a comedy trope, the henpecked husband. She told me to say that, but um, <laughs> so meta. But anyway, she uh, 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 we agreed. I agreed with myself. I cannot go to a Costco after having alcoholic beverages, right? Because everything seems like a good idea. I'm just drunk. <laughs> I'm not drunk. I'm just at that point that I'm feeling happy. I can't imagine the clothes I would have from Nordstrom's if they had served booze back when I was uh, drinking. I'd have stuff in my closet I'd look at today still and think, oh, I remember that night. <laughs> that shirt. How did I ever think that shirt was going to work on me? Ooh, she was a good salesperson, and I had a couple of drinks. Well, I'm a man of varied interests, Jack. And if I have a couple of glasses of wine, and, and this has happened, Judy and I will go out to dinner, have a couple of glasses of whatever, and, 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 you know, we shouldn't be driving for a while or whatever, so we'll say, let's kill a couple hours. We'll wander over to the Costco, which mm-hmm. you know, pretty close to the place we like to eat, and uh, and and uh, see everything is a good idea. I love to paddle, so I'll think, you know, honey, those kayaks are way more transportable <laughs> than our kayaks. And then I'll walk down to you got ten golf clubs for the choice of like three, and then man, those sweats look really comfortable. We ought to get some sweats. How much ketchup? We ought to get these ketchup. And I can spend like half of my income in a single night with a two glass of wine buzz in a Costco. Well, and so yes, that's a good idea to serve cocktails at the Nordstrom shoe department. Well, and the clothing store, there's hardly anything more emotional than clothing because none of it makes any sense at all. And about you and your self image yeah. and the image you want to project. Because all clothes just you just need something on your feet so you don't cut them. And, and what they and look like something covering your genitals to <laughs> yeah. avoid arrest. Yeah, everything else is just a magic. Imaginary. So, yeah, you get a little well, buzz know, on. people respond to it. It's not imaginary. You get a little buzz on and you start thinking, yeah, the sailor look. 
I've never tried that. How about that whole sailor thing? Sailor <laughs> Oh, yes. I will pay for it. If you buy a sailor suit, I will pay for it. Oh, that would be my new thing, Jack the Sailor. <laughs> did he uh, Did he serve or what? That's just kind of a look. Start saying port and starboard when you're talking about left and right. Yeah, Call exactly. everybody matey. Oh, yeah. looks like a little trouble off the bow. Do you mean ahead? Wake up the next morning with a whole bunch of Nordstrom's bags and a sailor look. I'm not wearing that in public. Did I get a receipt? Surely there's a receipt here. Armstrong and Getty. Warren fell apart for the same reason that Beto O'Rourke did. Because in place of a message, an actual message that unites people around ideas and policies, she went all in on wokeness. All in. After a while, the wokeness infected her brain so completely took over Elizabeth Warren that she really believed what she was saying. And it got crazier and crazier. Reparations for gay couples? Great idea. Gender non-binary people? The backbone of our democracy. She literally said that. Eventually, it was too much. Even for liberals. They looked at this and said, what? What the hell are you talking about? When Warren finally gives up this charade, I'm running for president. No, you're not. Please. Well, you'll be able to sum her campaign up in three words. Died of wokeness. (laughs) I'd forgotten, but I remember when she said that and we talked about it. The whole reparations for gay people thing. Yeah. 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 they ran a, a, a couple of clips of her saying wacky stuff on the stump, too. What a strange ranger. Anyway. Reparations for gay couples. This is one thing that uh, mm-hmm. I think it's particularly damaging for progressive candidates just because I'm, I'm not certain of that. But uh, politicians are going to have to figure out what is real and what's not on social media to what percentage that's real. I think this is the first go-round of the dominant force of social media, and a whole bunch of candidates have gotten misled. To what extent does Twitter reflect America? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kamala Harris's campaign, they admitted that that's true. Yeah. But I think it happened to Elizabeth Warren, too, that when you say something like reparations for, for, for uh, gay people, and it just explodes with support, you think, oh, wow, we've really hit on something. Yeah. Well, you get a tiny percentage of people that are very, very vocal on Twitter. Those people who uh, tweeted at you are the only ones who think that's a good idea. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that works out over time. Um, I don't know if we should play this clip first. How easy is it to understand what they're saying here, Sean? Uh, you can. Sometimes you I can like playing it. the clip first. Sometimes I like telling you first. Oh, let's hear it first. <laughs> We want blackboards? <laughs> That's a bunch of high school kids chanting, where's your passport at a basketball game? Oh. Yeah. Durr. The California high school basketball game ended with students from one school erupting into a chant of, where's your passport? As the opposing team's principally angri- uh, principal angrily confronts them. Boy, and that woman runs across the floor in her sensible flats and really gives them a lecture. Durr. The chant erupted at the conclusion of the contest between St. Joseph High School, a private school, and Rigetti High, a public school located across the street in Santa Maria. Supporters from Rigetti High, the visiting team, who lost 74-57, to a decisive victory, started the taunt in the final seconds of the game. Um, 
there are a number of players on the court that are of, of various ethnic backgrounds, as you probably guessed. Okay. Um, which is where the story comes from or where the chanting came from. Rude. But I thought this was actually pretty good. I honestly think they were unaware that they were saying a racist thing, said the principal. They did not intend for it to be racist. Three players in St. Joseph's are from Puerto Rico, a U.S. territory, and one is from France. So it's not your typical, like, it was Mexican kids or whatever. Anti-French bias. You know how rampant that is in Southern California. Um... It's sad that kids who are 15, 16, or 17 years old are called out for what they look like and where they're from. I'm not saying this is okay or cool. I just, um, uh, another person from from the high school where uh, they were on, you know, the receiving end of these chants said, um, it's racially charged rhetoric, but she didn't feel that the students realized what they were saying. I really appreciated that there were some adults that thought, they're they're high school kids. They don't get the full impact of what they're doing here. They are older children, but they are literally children. Children need to learn. Children say dumb stuff. Children need to be taught. Children, when they become adults, look back on the things they said as children and think, that was dumb. That's the story of humanity. Quit being so sanctimonious, everybody, please. Children do learn. That's right, Mr. President. I was reading that story expecting the usual modern 21st century conclusion of demands for expulsions or... Ship all those kids off to a re-education camp. Administered by Elizabeth Warren. Or on the other end, kids crying and saying they'll never be able to function in society and they deserve money or it something. It wasn't a safe space. But but it wasn't. It was grown-ups saying they're high school kids. They don't know what they're saying. It's not cool. Right. We talk to them about it. They won't do it again. Which right. is all that you need there. Right. Well, Hello. I'm very happy with the results of that. Yeah, me too. That's a rarity. Yep. There's surely time still, Jack, for some activist group to get involved. And, On their behalf. And, and go old uh, Nicholas Sandman. Was that his name, Nicholas? Nick Sandman? Go all that on him and, and, and try to dox him, and, and Kathy Griffin will call for his beating. Uh, but, you know, at least so far, so good. Oh, you know what? It occurs to me. Three kids from Puerto Rico and a Frenchman. <laughs> Walk into a bar. <laughs> You're underage. Get out, said the bartender. End of story. I'll uh, go to Nordstrom's then. Uh, yeah, so uh, speaking of uh, uh, sipping alcoholic beverages, and, you know, the unfortunate part about uh, my lack of control is that the idea of having a glass of wine and shopping sounds great. I mean, then I can relax and enjoy the shopping experience. But... Boy, if I'm shopping, I like it. If I'm watching someone else shop, which is often the case, it can make me tolerate it. Oh, I see. I got a buzz on and I'm flipping through my phone. Take your time trying various things on. Go ahead, sweetheart. Um, But what are you drinking? That is changing radically. There is nothing now that they're not putting alcohol in to try to find a market for. Hard coffee, hard kombucha. Experts say no beverage is safe from alcohol. Hmm. Big alcohol brands are experimenting like crazy. Hard seltzer passed a half a billion dollars in sales in 2019. It came out of nowhere. It grew more than 200% in 2019. Have you had that? Uh, Yes, but just a sip or two. You like it or... It's it seems perfect for outdoor summertime drinking. Gotcha. Like golfing on a boat, sort of picnic barbecue How about type stuff. Sad lonely day drinking, which is really more nah, my not no. strong enough. No, no. I hear it's it's low in alcohol, but I like dark room day drinking. Uh it took a huge bite out of light beer sales. 
and is contributing to a decline in uh, wine purchases in the United States. The first drop in wine sales since 1994. Wow, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, so the big uh, the big thing is the seltzer, but yeah, you got hard kombucha, which is some wacky Eastern coffee. Is there any, con- thing any concern that the wine boom is uh, over? I don't know. You don't want your wine, give it to me. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.